Welcome to Worship with Central Presbyterian Church, 133 Genesee Street in the village of Avon, Reverend Karen Farmer, Pastor. Good morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, you're welcome to worship on this cold Sunday morning. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to this peace we are members called to as members of a single body. The peace of Christ be with you all. I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Make me known your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. We will remove the flowers from worship this day. We will not be distracted by beauty from your ways. No one's Let us worship God.
as we head into Lent, so you can tell the tune turns somber and minor keys, and we take time to confess, remembering that we get ourselves crosswise with each other and crosswise with our God. And in confession, we repent and have the chance to have things be made right again. So let us join in our prayer of confession. Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our sinfulness, shortcomings, and our offenses against you. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we are ashamed and sorry. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. hear the good news that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. His mercy is part of his greatness. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Amen. Today's reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 to 17. Earlier in Genesis, before this reading for today, Noah and his family have just been saved from a massive flood brought on by God to destroy the evil in the world. They are coming out of the ark to a new world, and God describes this new world where humans will be fruitful and multiply, humans will have dominion over all animals, and no human can kill another human without dire consequences. Here is the reading for today. Then God said to Noah, and to his sons with him. As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, 
the domestic animals and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Thank you. 
Our second reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Let us listen for God's word. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, he was with the wild beasts And the angels waited on him. And now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Sends our gospel reading for this morning. There are patterns in the lectionary. We are in year B. The lectionary is a three-year cycle, A, B, and C. We are in the middle. Which, when we come to Lent, means that the Old Testament readings are going to be covenant. God and Noah. God promises to never again destroy the world. There will not be another flood. You'll hear the Abraham covenant. And Moses and the law. It's part of the pattern to see all of the ways in which we have been offered relationships with God time and time and time again and we mess up. It's a fitting thing to remember as we go into Lent. And the first reading on Sunday, the first Sunday in Lent, is always one of the temptation stories. It's always exciting to preach on the temptation stories. And I was ready to dive into it, and then I remembered it's year B. I'm in Mark. You heard the temptation story in Mark. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered him. That's it. Now, the Gospel of John has no temptation story at all. So, can't read it to you out of that Gospel. But when we think of the temptation story, we think either Matthew or Luke. And it makes sense that we do the temptation story 
to think about letting go of those things that are not pleasing to God and to remember that Jesus was tempted and didn't fall for it. Matthew tells the story of Jesus' first temptation to turn stones into bread. He's been fasting for 40 days, and he's hungry. The second temptation in Matthew is Jesus leaps from the high point of the temple. And the third is to worship the devil in exchange for all the nations of the world. Luke gives us the same temptations, turn the stones into bread, but all of the nations, all the power of the world is offered second, and the third is to leap off the temple. In both Matthew and Luke, the devil quotes scripture. And to his credit, he quotes it accurately, and that's a personal pet peeve of mine. If you're going to quote the Bible, get it right. I understand there are differences between translations, and that is fine. But, you know, we all have these, and you can just look it up if you are not sure of the verse. Devil? Quote scripture, right? And if you're wondering about throwing yourself off the top of the temple, the scripture that devil quotes is, it is written, the angels will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus' response is to quote a different verse, the one that says, yeah, you don't put God to the test. Jesus also quotes scripture, and in these stories there is drama and movement. And I realized this time in looking at both Matthew and Luke, the thought of the old Roman philosophers came to me. The Roman philosophers said that the empire was maintained on bread and circuses. Bread and entertainment. If you feed people and entertain them, they will turn a blind eye to the politics. Because you have full bellies and you're amused. And as I looked again at the temptations from Matthew and Luke, I could see, entertain us, jump off the temple, do this great miracle so that we can all be amused and Please, turn stones into bread so we will all be full. Perhaps part of these temptations to Jesus are to create the bread and the circuses that worked so well for the empire. Mark says none of this. 
Mark just notes that he was in the wilderness and was tempted and was taken care of. So Mark leaves us different words to look at, and I went back and looked at wilderness. Because biblically, the wilderness is a lot of things. It is strange and it is dangerous, the wilderness. It's deserted in a place of decades-long wandering. Moses and the Israelites flee slavery, and they flee Moses, and they're moving towards Canaan, and they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And God admits it's on purpose. You don't want all of these slaves to rush from slavery right into a war. And so God takes them the long way to Canaan. But the people will learn in the wilderness to depend on God. To depend on God for manna and daily bread. Yet, the people at moments don't do well in the wilderness. Their leader that they know and they can see, Moses, spends too much time up on a mountain and they create a golden calf in the wilderness. The wilderness is scary and you want a God you can see to lead you through the scary That doesn't end well. But the wilderness is not only a scary place and a deserted place. It is also, interestingly enough, also a place of safety. It's where Elijah runs when King Ahab and Queen Jezebel threaten him because he destroyed the court prophets. And Elijah won't rubber stamp whatever the royal court is doing as just fine. Elijah runs. He runs thinking, the fun story, that he's the only one left. And it is out in the wilderness that God tells him, There are 8,000 other believers that you just left back there. In the wilderness, Elijah learns he's not actually alone where he came from. But the wilderness becomes a place where God's care is more immediate and it's more obvious. Elijah has the angels come out, and he is fed with bread and water. I believe Elisha is the one who gets food from the ravens. The animals will help feed you in the wilderness. Jesus heads out to the wilderness. 
to a place where depending on God is actually part of survival. The devil, well, in the other Gospels, he gets great lines and tempting gifts. And sometimes we look at that and wonder, wait a minute, are all the kingdoms really Satan's to offer? I mean, if the world is God's, how does Satan have anything to offer? We often picture Satan as the best dressed in the room. And he's smooth. He's a bit too smooth. He's quick with those biblical quotes. But I think when we read Matthew and we read Luke, we get to build him up into this larger-than-life figure. Instead of simply admitting that he's the father of lies. Perhaps Mark is right to cut the devil down to the size that, yeah, he was there, he tempted Jesus, and uh, Jesus conquered and headed out on God's mission. Maybe our own temptations would be easier to face if we, like Mark, made the devil just a little bit smaller if we gave the devil far fewer lines and assumed that he had much less power. Perhaps in the wilderness, we remember that the devil gets far less credit and God gets far more. What is due to the devil? At the end of the day, nothing. The kingdom and the power and the glory, the love and the grace and the forgiveness, all of those things belong to God. The world itself belongs to God. There is nothing left. Nothing left for the devil to offer. Nothing left for the devil to tempt us with. Because it is all God's and we are God's. So as we enter the wilderness of Lent, remember the care and the compassion, the sustenance, is from God. The love and the grace is from God. And because it's on offer from God, there's nothing anybody can do about that. God reaches out. It's good news for us all. Amen. 
You've been listening to the 10 a.m. service from Central Presbyterian Church in the village of Avon. This radio ministry has been made possible by Stokey Farms, 656 South Road in Scottsville. We at Central Presbyterian Church believe that the love of God should flow through us to our members, our community, our nation, and the world. Visit us on the web at cpcavon.org or call 226-2626. 